Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Hello. So it's July. And what are we going to do with bees in July? Now, I hope not to have to do too much because the way I've changed my management of my colonies means that July is the time for the bees to be left alone to fill up their hives with honey so that they've got plenty of time to practice grooming and they can go into winter with full bellies and a full hive. Now, this is not how conventional beekeeping works. If you have gone through the mainstream courses, you'll be taught that July is the time that you can harvest your honey and normally the end of July. Now, there are some great honey flows or nectar flows through July. So the end of June, you're going to get your lime tree, which is a great um, nectar source through the UK. And then when you come into early July, the brambles are flowering. You might have sweet chestnut. Then you go into heathers and also garden flowers. If you're in a city, there could be lots of garden flowers. Clover is also going right through July. So it could seem like madness. Why would you not take honey then? Why would you not take honey at the end of July? Okay, well, there's several reasons for this. I've learned that for the bees to be healthy, nutrition is key. The other thing that's important is that they can defend themselves, that they can defend their actual hive. Now, when you get into July and August, you have a problem with pests. You have wasps. And the wasps are generally not a problem. Wasps are the rubbish collectors of nature. But if you open a hive at the end of July or beginning of August and you spill so much as a drop of honey, all the wasps and the hornets and the flies and everything in the area is going to smell it and they're going to want some of it. So even if you put the hive back together again, you will have broken the seals of propolis. And propolis is what the bees use to seal up the hive and make sure that they can defend. Um, Propolis is called defender of the city. You know, it comes from the Greek um, of pro, which is first, and then um, polis, which is city. So it's the first defense of the city. And if you open up that hive, you've broken that seal. But also, if you've taken the honey when you've broken up the hive, the bees are like, oh, we've worked so hard this so far this summer. We thought we had our honey stores. We were starting to relax. We could enjoy the summer. We could start practicing grooming each other so we wouldn't be find that varroa mite was such a problem. And what have you done? You've taken all our honey. We've got to leave our entrances wide open because we've got to fly out and catch as, you know, collect as much nectar as we can. And they go into a state of stress. Now, if you make that decision to not open your hive once you get into July, maybe stretch to the first week of July before it gets too busy with wasps. And this is what I do. So the whole life cycle of my bees and my harvesting is changed to make the bees as healthy as possible. So we'll be harvesting honey through June, through May, through June. And then we'll be putting the stickies back. So after you've harvested the honey on the frames, take the frames back to the hive so the bees can clean them up. And that gives them extra supers, you know, with with combing. And I don't use queen excluders at all. So that's not even an issue. So I won't have to be opening up the brood. They may have swarmed. They may have requeened, whatever. It's all going on downstairs. And upstairs we have the supers. 
and then we're adding the stickies so the bees can add more nectar. And then what we do is we just know that the hive is all sealed up and we don't need to visit them again. I will look and check them from the outside, but we're not going to take anything else. So then every week with our routine checks, we just go around, check that the bees are flying, check that they've got pollen and nectar coming in and just observe what's going on outside the hive. And it's really interesting because you see them out on the landing boards and they're grooming each other and they've, they're really calm. So then if I am doing any um, uh, sort of day experiences with people, I'm able, particularly with WBC lives, um, hives, we can lift the lid, we can look in, we can do things with the supers, but it's not going to distress the bees. They're really calm. They're all sorted. So that's what I do. And then it means that the bees are going into winter with three, four or five supers of honey. Now, some people are like, oh, but that's too much space and the bees can't keep it warm. How are they going to survive? But because we've removed the queen excluder, we don't use a queen excluder at all. The, the cluster that the bees form through the winter can travel around the hive, feeding on whichever nectar they choose. And because they've got a selection of the spring honey, then they've got all of the July and the August honey. They've got it all there. They've got plenty of food. And so quite often the cluster can be at the top of the hive. It might be at the bottom. It might be in the middle. So through the winter, I can use my infrared camera and I can see where the cluster is and they move around because just like humans, if you were locked down for the winter months and you had your larder full of food, you wouldn't just start the left hand side of your larder and eat all the baked beans and then go through the pasta and then maybe have, I don't know, whatever soup mixes you've got on the other side. You wouldn't do that. You might have beans one day, then you might go for, you know, rice another day and you'd, you'd mix and match. And bees are the same. They don't want to have a whole winter just eating rapeseed or clover or bramble or ivy. They want to have a real mixture. And they know, we know, scientists have done all these studies on bees to find that the bees will eat They'll collect nectar and then they will store the honey, but they will eat whatever honey has the, the best nutrition for the condition of that hive at that time. So whatever the colony needs, so if they need a boost of vitamin C or a boost of calcium, you know, they'll go for different plant sources of honey. So this is why it's important to take individual frames and leave every other frame for the bees rather than taking whole supers. I'm not talking to commercial beekeepers here. If you're a commercial beekeeper, that's a whole different ball game. But if you're a hobbyist or a small scale beekeeper, it doesn't hurt to be taking little and often or to be taking every other every other frame. But really make sure that your bees go into winter with more honey than they need. Now, this is good for several reasons. It means you don't have to give them any sugar. You just know they're done. The second thing is the bees know you're done. So they seal up the hive with propolis so that they are safe and protected. So no wasps can get in, hornets can't get in. So your colony is more likely to survive. Also with temperature, they can move around the hive, they can stay in the cluster and they, the queen and all the cluster can be where the food is. So that's really, really important. So that's really, really good. The next thing is you don't need to worry through the winter because you know your bees have got enough food. As long as the hive's strapped and it's not going to get knocked over, that's absolutely fine. And then, and this year was a prime example of this. 
This year, we had lots of dandelions in April, but we had lots of rain and lots of showers. And it was cold. It was really, really cold, but not too cold for during the little sunny spells for the bees to go out and collect nectar. Now, because they've had good nutrition and because you've left the supers in, whether they'd eaten all the honey or not, they had space so that they could nip out, collect the nectar, and they could store it in the hive. So when it is warm enough to open the hive, and this year it was sort of mid-May, we could suddenly open up the hive and we had supers filled. We didn't have to add supers. We didn't have to unnecessarily open the hive to check what was going on. We did find in one of the colonies that the um, the brood was all laying in the top super. It was on like super number five. And there was, you know, the cluster right at the top. But we just left it. And within a few weeks, the queen had moved right down again. And then it was just honey at the top. So the bees, they can work through this. It is so much more beneficial for their health to have good nutrition. It's so much more beneficial for them when it comes to disease prevention, because when they're chilled out, when they've got all the honey they need for the summer, they can spend the autumn grooming. And we know bees do this. I've watched bees do this. And it's it's just that's what they need to do. They become more resistant, more resilient to pests and diseases. It also means when the spring comes, if there's any brood that is slightly deformed or if they feel there's any varroa, they've got the resources to pull it out and get rid of it. So it really does make a healthy hive. And I think if we look at this and we look at that whole life cycle, we can also look at ourselves and how we live and how do we have security? How do we have health? Nutrition is key. Protecting your home and your food stores is key and having a variety so that you're not just living off one source. Now, if you're a conventional beekeeper, you would have been taught take all the supers off end of July, August. Maybe you'll have time then to put them on for the bees to clean them up. And then you whip them off again. You shut the hive down as small as you can and you add a big block of sugar. So the bees are then feeding on white sugar, either as a fondant or a liquid syrup from end of August right through to the spring. And the argument is, well, if you don't do this, the bees die. If you haven't taken all the honey, the bees won't die. They share it out equally. There's even been research showing that when the bees are low on stores, they literally divide it out equally amongst the whole lot of them. And if they are going to die of starvation, they all die together at once at the same time because they've shared it out. They don't think, oh, we should give it to the queen or we should give it to you know, any particular bees that have a perceived greater role. They literally share it out equally. And how healthy would any of us be if we just had one source of food throughout the winter months? There is the argument that the bees can feed on the ivy. So they've got the sugar and they have the ivy, but the ivy needs water to process it. It will crystallize inside a hive if the temperatures get too cold. And I've experienced um, a colony in a freedom hive, which was a, like a log type hive hanging on a tree where the bees died out in April. And Yet there was this mountain of crystallized ivy honey in there. Now, they were a wild colony that had flown into the, the hive. And because they'd had to use honey through the spring and summer to make the wax comb and to feed themselves as they went, the only honey left for them to eat that they'd stored that lasted through the winter. So their last resort honey was the ivy. 
And studies have shown that bees will only harvest ivy if they absolutely have to. It's not nearly as, as um, nutritious or as necessary for them for survival as the brambles, the hawthorn, the dandelions, the clover. All these other sources are much more nutritious and valuable for the bees. So have a look at your beekeeping practice. Have a look at your lifestyle and and just see what are the comparisons. So I hope that's helped. So in July, what you should be doing is putting back any stickies really early on. Take the last of your honey and just give the bees the rest. We've had a great spring, a great season. So many beekeepers have been able to take a spring harvest. Just leave it at that. Leave it at that and just try. See what happens with your colonies if you let them go into winter with all the summer honey and see if you have less losses from wasps attacking. If the bees have got the entrances open and they're still trying to top up, the wasps can get in easily and they just will diminish a hive really, really rapidly. The bees just haven't got what they need to defend themselves. So have a look and let me know what you think. Let me know if you've tried this or if even if you've got some better ideas or different, different experiences that have really helped. But the prime thing for me is to keep the queens and the colonies I've got and to keep them strong. I do not want to be replacing queens or replacing colonies in the next season. I want my bees to get through the winter really strong and really healthily. So thank you very much. This podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful Bee Brook and the music was created especially for me by Raya. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on Creating a Buzz Open About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.